Okay, good morning, everyone. If you don't know me, my name's Adrian. I'll be taking us through this uh, next part of our meeting. Um, before we get into what we're going to look at this morning, I just wanted to make a quick mention of it. It's great to see Joe very back and Izzy very front, back together, newly married. Very, very welcome. <laughs> Now, in it, some of you are thinking they're newly married and yet not sitting together. That's because so much so is their heart for Oasis immediately back, immediately serving, which I think is quite incredible. Um, if you've not been around over the past kind of few weeks, we're in a series we've entitled Wellbeing. And not because it's a buzzword within culture, but rather because we believe it's something that, that God desires for each and every one of us. That when Jesus came and lived and dies and rose again, he kind of marked out what he'd come to do, that he said he'd come in order that he could give us life and life in abundance or life in the full. And therefore, we've come to discover that actually that life in full that Jesus is offering us uh, through his life, death, and resurrection is something that is to impact the whole of who we are, the whole of who we are mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally and relationally. And week on week, we've been looking at different aspects. And if you weren't around last week, I'd strongly encourage you to listen to uh, the talk on uh, kind of what it looks like to have physical well-being, uh, which is outstanding. Uh, I'm still kind of working through the application of that, feeling very challenged by it. So I'd really encourage you to look to that. But today, what I want to look at is the whole aspect of emotional well-being. And when we talk about emotions, what I mean there is this, if we skip forward a couple of slides, is emotions are the involuntary response to people, situations, or events that every single one of us has emotions. That today, throughout this meeting, there would have been different points where you'd have uh, reacted to what's gone on. And, and that's involuntary. There's nothing you can do about it. It just happens. What we do with those emotions does matter. And we're going to come on this morning to kind of look at how we enable our emotions to be something that enables us to know well-being rather than our emotions kind of shaping who we are and then it dictating kind of how well we really are. Uh, but before we go there, I want to just recommend a couple of books. We have uh, often say within Oasis, if it's good enough to recommend, it's good enough to... God, that is... Come on, man. I know it's hot. But if we're going to do a proper kind of Saturday night show, it has to be a bit more than that. If it's good enough to recommend, it's good enough to... There we go. It's very good. If you're a guest here, you're already thinking there's enough going on here that I'm not sure if I'm ever coming back. You are incredibly welcome. God is very, very good, and we take him very, very seriously. We do not take ourselves very seriously. Um, I want to make a couple of recommendations. As I know it's the summer, I know that it's often the point where we can think, actually, I might read something. Uh, I'm going to come on to a couple of books that we can read. The first one is this, The Liturgy of the Ordinary. I've just literally finished this one. Highly recommend just taking a snapshot of our day, just day-to-day -day things that go on and connecting them with the greater aspect of how we connect with God. Uh, and if you've ever read um, Practicing the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence, it's kind of on that vein, incredibly good. Uh, I cannot recommend it enough, although I'm going to recommend a book even more than this one in a moment. So this one is a giveaway. So if you are sat on a chair with a number one piece of paper stuck in front of it, then you get the book. Give it a wave. There you go, Zoe. That is for you to read. If you're not going to read it, can I encourage you to just give it to someone else? Because I don't want it to just sit there. 
um, and we can now all keep one another accountable that if you're given a book, everyone will ask you, have you read it? Um, <laughs> second book I'm going to recommend is Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Um, now this one, I would say that in everything we're going to look at this morning, uh, we will not have time to look at uh, what it looks like to have well-being emotionally in the whole of our lives. For us to do that, we'd need to give over every Sunday for the next year. Uh, and I read this book and would genuinely say it's one of those ones I wish I'd written because it conveys so much of what I spend my time talking to individuals about. Therefore, I would go as far as to say this. If you're a part of Oasis, read this book. Read this book because it will do you good. And I'm gonna, why I'm recommending it so highly is I'm going to give two copies away. This isn't a one-copy giveaway. This is a two-copy giveaway. Now, in it, I'm going to say something even further than this, something that will get me in trouble a little bit with the trustees who make sure we do all right with our finances. And that's this. Now, all the trustees at this point are thinking, oh, no. Um, if you cannot afford this book, it's £9.99. That's quite pricey, isn't it, for a book? You could buy it secondhand, so it would be cheaper on Amazon. But if you cannot afford this book or you need help to purchase this book, contact Oasis office, admin at the Oasis Church office, and we will help you purchase this book. If, however, you can purchase this book, purchase it. Now, in it, I'm not going to give a whole dialogue of what this book is about. Otherwise, to say, this is exceptionally good, please read. It will do the whole of you good, both in terms of understanding your past, your present, and your future. Uh, so if you are sat in front of a chair with a number two or a number three on it, you get the book. It looks like a fix. It's my brother who gets one. What am I saying about him? Um, <laughs> that's it. We'll read into it what we want, Matt. Um, let's get back to the today then. In terms of emotions then, uh, what I'm not going to get to cover will be covered in that book. That's why I want you to get hold of it, because it shapes the whole of who we are. Uh, I, I, I'll keep banging on about it, and I'll even quote it in this session, because I think it so helps us. But in terms of our emotions, as I said, they, they do affect us. We are affected by our emotions. Actually, I don't need to convince you much of that, that physically you'll know you're affected by your emotions. You'll be affected by sometimes your heart racing as you feel things. Sometimes that sense of what we call butterflies in our stomach, that sense of your stomach knotting, or you suddenly feel this rush of adrenaline in your body. And it's because our body is interconnected and our emotions affect our physical being. There's also a way that if we're not careful, our emotions can affect how we live. And so as I said, there's a danger with our emotions that we, in, in some ways, are just shaped by them rather than allowing God to help us shape them. And if we're shaped by our emotions, I'd say there's some different ways that we can live. And I'd say the first way is that we can live in a kind of roller coaster way of living. And for me, I'm someone who's always lived with my heart on my sleeve. In other words, it's not hard to understand what I'm feeling because often it's in my face. I'll be just expressing it, which can both be good and bad depending on what I'm expressing. And in it, when you live with a roller coaster way of being shaped by your emotions, it means that you're governed kind of by the highs and the lows. And so any given day can feel like the ultimate roller coaster ride that you could ever be at on ever any other kind of amusement park in the land. But it's often 
not one that you get off thinking, oh, that was amazing. Um, it's rather one where you feel like, mate, at the start of the day, you feel like, oh, well, I wonder what's going to happen in it. And you get an email and it says, oh, I just wanted to tell you, you're amazing you are. And you think, wow, this is the best day ever. Kind of right at the top of the roller coaster, you think, this is amazing. Then the next email, you look down and it says, you've totally missed your deadline. And at that point, you're like, oh, no, what have I done? I've let people down. And you're kind of going on down on the roller coaster. And then, I don't know, someone else texts you and says, hey, you know when you said you were going to meet up with me, you've never ever texted me. What are you doing? At that point, you kind of go right down. And then the next minute, you suddenly think, oh, yeah, but there's that person I did spend time with. And they thought I was amazing. Oh, we're back up on the roller coaster. And so there's this roller coaster ride that we have by our emotions being there. The second way I'd say that we can be shaped by our emotions, is that of excess baggage. Where because of what's happened to us or what we've done, we end up carrying continuously with us the effects of that. And that's often the guilt and shame that's associated with something. And if we're not careful, we're just continuously living every day, just weighed down with this emotion that's attached to what's been, not what is. Now, in that one, we're going to come on to see this isn't something that's an easy fix, as we looked at a couple of weeks ago when we looked at that whole aspect of uh, our spiritual well-being. That it isn't that suddenly we say, okay, let's quickly ditch with that, because actually what we're going to find is where we've lived with something for a long time, it can take a long time to deal with it and to live free from it. So that's the second way of living being shaped by our emotions of excess baggage. The third one is treading water, where in essence we just... Say, well, actually, the reality is I cannot see a way forward. And so we just stay put. Maybe it's actually that we say, if I was to really give voice to what is going on inside of me, I don't think, I think it'd just be scary. I don't think anyone's ready for that. I don't think I'm ready for that. And so we find ourselves just treading water saying, let's, let's just keep it here. Let's make sure we don't do anything to rock the boat. Let's just stay stationary. The next one is the one where I won't look at anyone in the eyes because everyone kind of thinks, no, this can't be me, is if we're not careful, our emotions can cause us to be one who is toxic. In other words, that whenever we have interactions with others, what's going on inside just can't help but spill out onto others. And even though we might not want to be like it to others, we can't help but causing the bitterness or the pain that we feel to just spill out onto others. And so can't help but say when someone has an exciting idea, oh, it'll never work, and just pour water onto fire. Or maybe it's that we just can't help but that just as people come close to us, we want to keep them at arm's length. And so we just say, actually, no, I don't, I don't like who you are. We can't help but just give off something that says, actually, this far and no nearer. Now, in it, with it, we could like look at this and say, well, th this doesn't sound great. And I'd say the last way we can end up being shaped by emotions is think, actually, well, if this is what emotions can do to us, then is it better than to just live without them and to live like robots? To live saying, actually, I am unaffected by anything. And surely, if I'm now this new creation in Jesus, what I'm going to say is, actually, regardless of what happens, praise Jesus! And so we're going to live like that. But the thing is, if we live that way, one is it's causing us to deny something of who we are, which I'm going to come on to in a moment. The other is it doesn't seem real. 
And one of the things I've realized within the culture we live in is that there is a high value in reality. And so if anyone's living in a way where they say, oh, this is what I'm about, and yet they can sniff out a sense of, yeah, but this doesn't seem real. You say that, oh, yeah, Jesus is amazing, but I look at your life and you seem to be in total denial of what's going on. And there's this want, therefore, to say, well, surely if, if this is real, it has to be real about the whole of your life, regardless of what's going on. Therefore, for us to say, well, then let's just be robots doesn't allow it to be, because we've got to live something that's real. Which brings us on to the fact that, therefore, maybe there is a way of forming with our emotions in us and understanding that emotions aren't bad, but actually God-given, because actually it's part of us imaging Jesus. It's part of us imitating God, Father, Son, and Spirit. Then in us being given this new life in Jesus, it's in order that we would reveal something of the, what it meant to always be the image bearers of God. You see, God is an emotional God. We haven't got time to look at lots of passages, but if we go through, we'd find that God is one revealed in Scripture as one who delights and takes pleasure, one who's jealous, one who's angry, one who shows kindness, compassion, who is sorrowful and troubled, and yet filled with joy. You find that God is an emotional God. And therefore, part of us bearing his emotion is understanding that we are therefore to be emotional. The challenge comes... How do you do that without, in those moments as you feel the emotion, that being the thing that defines who you are? Because surely it's going to be that we're defined by who Jesus is. And him saying, I've come to give you well-being in all of these areas, including your emotions. And so the invitation is for us to know emotional well-being. Because it's part of our invitation to image who God is which reveals to others who God is. In that book that I highly recommended, a double recommend, a double giveaway, this is what the writer says in terms of the invitation to emotional well-being, of what it can cause us to live with, of naming, recognizing, and managing our own feelings, of identifying with and having active compassion for others of causing us to be those who are initiating and maintaining close and meaningful relationships, of breaking free from self-destructive patterns, of being aware of how our past impacts our presence, of developing the capacity to express our thoughts and feelings clearly, of respecting and loving others without having to change them, of asking for what we need, want, or prefer clearly, directly, and respectfully, of accurately self-assessing our strengths, limits, and weaknesses, and freely sharing them with others of learning the capacity to resolve conflict maturely and negotiate solutions that consider the perspective of others, of integrating our spirituality with our sexuality in a healthy way, of grieving well. That's what's being offered to today. It isn't kind of emotional well-being. All right, that sounds all right. Now, this is a way of living, a way of living that we get to explore for the rest of our lives. So it isn't that anyone in this room is going to say, oh, yeah, I've got this one down. I'm brilliant at this. It's that all of us are on a journey of discovering more and more in respect to this element of our well-being, how we can enjoy and live in the good of it more and more. And my hope is, as we've seen week on week, that we're not looking and saying, right, we've done physical well-being, we've done kind of mental well-being, we've done spiritual well-being, did that in a week, we're sorted. Now, this is the invitation of saying, this is now what we get to pursue for the rest of our lives. 
knowing that what we've enjoyed, there's now an invitation to enjoy and explore more. I often think through the illustration that's given of Ezekiel in the river of God, where it says that he starts off um, kind of just tiptoeing in, and then he gets to his ankles, then his knees, then his legs, and then it gets to a point saying, oh, now I just get to swim in it. And I think the invitation of God in every aspect of our life is like that. This including our emotions, that, that we're, like we tiptoe in and say, oh, this seems good. I, think, I kind of understand what this is. Then we go a bit deeper and think, oh, this seems good. I understand what this is until we get to this point of realizing that, wow, I just get to swim in this and realize that it's beyond what I could have ever understood or grasped hold of, and I get to spend the rest of eternity exploring God's goodness towards me in every area of well-being. It kind of excites Vince. It excites me too. I think this is an amazing invitation. So then how do we live seeking to live emotionally well, emotion, with emotional well-being? How do we live in the good of all of this? How do we ensure that our emotions don't shape us, but rather that we allow our relationship with God to impact how we then deal with our emotions? Well, to do that, I want us to just look briefly at a story of Jesus. Now, there's lots of different scriptures that I could have looked at. I could have looked at Ephesians where it says, in your anger, do not sin, and kind of looked at how Paul's teaching, how our new life in Christ shapes how we deal with our emotions, that emotions aren't bad, it's what we do with them. I could have looked at Romans 6, where again, Paul talks about how we're to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice to Christ, and therefore use everything, the whole of your body as an instrument of righteousness. I could have looked at that. But I felt like today, what would be great is just to look at how God reveals to deal with our emotions. And what it looked like when God was on earth as man, as Jesus, and how he did it. And we're going to look at John 11, which is a story of one of Jesus' friends, Lazarus, who becomes ill. And Jesus gets the message, and he's a couple of days travel away, and he gets the message that Lazarus is ill and it's not looking good. And he says to the rest of his disciples, hey, we're going to go to Lazarus, but we're not going yet. And this is going to be a moment where God is going to reveal himself, and God is going to reveal himself through me, as we're going to discover that Lazarus is just sleeping. Now, in it, As you read the story, you find, like, Jesus, why are you hanging out here? Lazarus is getting worse. And it gets to a point where Lazarus actually dies and is buried in a tomb. And you're kind of left thinking back and saying, well, Jesus said he's just sleeping, but he isn't. He's dead. And what's going to happen here? And so this is where we pick up the story where Jesus arrives, has encountered Lazarus' sisters, firstly Martha, and now we're going to see Mary. It says, now Jesus, this is John 11, 30 to 36. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. And then the story continues, verse 43. Jesus stood out in front of Lazarus' tomb. 
Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth round his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Phenomenal story. Starts off with Jesus saying, Lazarus, just going to sleep. Arrives Lazarus dead. Ends with this amazing miracle where Lazarus, who was dead, is alive with witnesses. No one could snuff it out. This was a story that just went like wildfire around. Dead man walking, alive, still with bandages. Was a bit stinky, had been in there for four days. There, he's alive. No one could question it. The thing is, we can jump from back over there, Jesus' promise that Lazarus is going to be okay, to this point, this amazing miracle where Jesus also commands death and life, has victory over it, and jump to here. Oh, Jesus raised him from the dead. And miss what happens in the middle, which is that Jesus wept. Jesus wept. We need to never grow so familiar that we don't understand the full intensity of this moment. See, Jesus is in control. We know that because he'd spoken of it. He told his friends that, look, Lazarus is only sleeping. He'd hung out for two more days doing what he was doing where he was. Goes along. Lazarus has been dead for four days. He doesn't sweep in and say, hey, don't worry, everyone. I'm here. It's going to be fine. Show me where the tomb is. Woohoo! Here it comes. He doesn't do that. He comes and meets the sisters where they're at. He comes knowing what he's going to do. But in this moment, in this moment, he stops. He pauses. Pauses before the but God moment, before the breakthrough moment, and weeps. I don't know if you ever think through, why did Jesus weep? He knew that he was in control. He knew that he was going to rise to Nazareth from the dead. Why does he weep? Well, we're told that Jesus in this moment was overwhelmed by the humanity that he saw around him. He was moved by the sisters that he so cared about, Martha and Mary, and the pain they were they were feeling, and the tears they were shedding. He was moved by this moment of the, of the impact that death has. And in this moment, Jesus allows there to be given voice to the emotion that happens. See, in this moment, what Jesus reveals is a God who understands, a God who recognizes that we feel, a God who himself feels, a God who seeks to allow us to have space between the moment of something happening and the moment of where God comes and breaks in and brings comfort to give voice in this moment to what exactly we're feeling. See, God is one who longs to give us voice. Voice to what's going on deep within. Voice to the impact of what of people, effects, and experiences have had on us. But it's in that 
place of Jesus weeping that we have to understand because so often we jump from here of what's happened to run straight over here and say, oh yeah, but God, but God. And yet Jesus models in this moment that how we can live an emotionally healthy life is understanding that he's one who wept, that there was a pause in the middle to give voice to what's going on in order that we could know wholeness in the whole of our being. See, what Jesus did here is he, he didn't model something. He didn't reveal something that sometimes I think we can do when we feel some things. You see, when stuff happens, we can get to this point and think, well, this is kind of what I'm feeling. We can get to this point. So if we go to the next slide and we find that we get to that point of denying. I said, it could be a way of saying, I feel something, but I'm just going to deny it. I call it the Homer Simpson way of dealing with your emotions. I don't know if you've seen it. So Homer Simpson kind of fathers his son Bart for one moment only in the whole of the series of The Simpsons. And, and then he says, Bart, when you feel something, what you have to do is bury it deep and do not let it come out. And he says, there, there's this. And what the cartoonist shows, Matt Groening, is he shows this point of, of, of Simpson, Homer kind of burying his emotions and there's something popping up on his arm as though it's his emotion trying to pop out and him pushing it back in and then out of his stomach and he pushes it back in. And for some of us, we think actually the best way to deal with what's happened is just to deny it, is just to push it down. But the thing is, Homer Simpson discovers this and models it so beautifully. It's that when we push stuff down, we become like a pressure cooker. And in the end, the quantity of stuff that we push down, in the end, bursts out. And Homer Simpson expresses this, and he said, well, what I do is occasionally someone will do something, and then I just can't go for it, can't just stop it anymore. And then he shows Bart by strangling him. Bart hasn't done anything, and he just goes, and just strangles. Now, I'm not saying that anyone here is strangling anyone. But there's that thing of that we can deny it, but in the end, we need to know that it will come out. It's like if we bury stuff under the rug. In the end, the quantity of stuff that's buried there, we will end up tripping over. So first one, deny. We mustn't also dump. Dump is where we look to share with someone else. We're not sharing to say, would you come with me as I seek to live free of this and seek to understand how this doesn't need to shape me. But rather we live seeking to dump on someone where it literally is like dumping on someone. So we literally go, this is what's going on for me, on you. And we just leave it like a pile over them so we can move on. I think I feel quite light now, I feel quite good. That person's feeling very smelly. Feeling like, man, this is awful what's just been said for me. I don't know what to do with this. And we think, all oh, right, that's what I should do with my emotion. I'll just literally just throw it on someone else and then move off. That's not what Jesus is going to model here. Isn't that we're allowed to fester? Fester is where we just allow it to kind of percolate away. We're kind of like a slow cooker. We think, oh, yeah, I've got this casserole that's burning, going on. As we allow it to just percolate away, just saying, oh, that's what it's going to be. Isn't that what we're to do? It's all we're to fire out. I think in the day and age we live in with social media, so quickly we can react to things and say, all right, they've said this, bang, 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 social status, Facebook status, you'd never guess what this person did. This person cut me up. Straight out, we fired out. Isn't what's being spoken of here. It isn't also escape. Escape is probably the one that most of us do. Just sense of, I feel this because of that, therefore I'm going to do this. I'm going to eat something. I'm going to watch something. I'm going to drink something. I'm going to go somewhere. Because in me eating, in me drinking, in me 
going somewhere, in me having that physical relationship, what it's going to do in that moment is it just softens what I'm feeling. And it causes me to stop having to think about that and feel it and just be able to not kind of dull it in order that I can experience this. Brother, Jesus calls us to live a different way. Jesus calls us to understand and to recognize there's, there's something that's happened that we get to give voice to how we feel as a result of that. And then out of it, we then get to know that, but God, come in. That's what Jesus does with Lazarus. It's that moment of recognition. Recognition is Lazarus is dead. Give voice. Jesus wept. But God, Lazarus, come out of the tomb. And this is the pattern that God wants us to live with daily. Now, the thing is, I've put a little note here. This takes time. It takes time to allow ourselves daily moments to understand what's gone on and how it's impacted us. And that's hard work because in our days, we're just filled. We think, I haven't got time for this. This is one of those ones where we just have to make time for it because it does us good. There's other stuff that we're doing that actually is just part of us processing our emotions in how we shouldn't do it, that we're spending time on, that we need to now say, no, let's not do that, let's do this. Now, what I want to just briefly do these closing minutes is show us how we then do this in our day-to-day. Now, for some of us, we know that we're living with that excess baggage or treading water, or maybe that we're toxic because of what's happened in our past. Now, what we're going to look at is principles that can help us deal with the bigger stuff, But the bigger stuff isn't what I'm going to touch on today. That stuff is stuff that we have to ask others to come with us and say, can you help me as I seek to live in this journey of understanding that I can get to give voice to the emotion of what I felt because of this in order that I can understand the but God moment of him breaking in. What we want to do is just look at a pattern that I hope will help each of us daily. See, daily we need to be those that seek to recognize recognize that what's gone on has affected us. That could be both in respect to things that we feel positive about as well as things that kind of affect us negatively. If we go to the next slide, again, in the book that I recommended, uh, research shows there's kind of eight different categories of emotion. We'll get this put up online just so you can see it. I'd say for most of us, we start off and we don't necessarily have the kind of way to articulate how we feel. And so we tend to feel, I feel a bit low, I feel a bit happy. Actually, the key in giving voice to what's going on is we need to understand how we feel. And so this little grid can help us of saying, actually, how do I feel? And what they've done is taken anger, sadness, fear, enjoyment, love, surprise, disgust, and shame, saying these are the eight categories that most emotions can then be broken down into. And then you can break those categories down multifacetedly. There are Hundreds of emotions each and every one of us has. The key is we need to start to articulate and give voice to them. And therefore, there's that moment of saying, right, recognizing this is what happened. This is how it made me feel. Now, I'd also say at this point that often we can start by saying, actually, what it's made me feel is I just feel angry. I'd say that when you discover an emotion that you feel, the next best question to ask is why? Why do I feel angry? Because it gets you to understand what's really going on. I often think that it's like we're like onions. And we have to settle with that brown kind of manky layer on the end, thinking, oh, yeah, I feel something. I've got a papery edge. The truth is we have to then peel the papery edge off. I feel angry. 
because of this. Why, why do I feel angry? Oh, I feel angry because I felt misunderstood. I felt misunderstood, which actually caused me to feel dejected. Actually caused me to feel a bit lonely. Oh, why? I'm peeling back the onion. I don't know if you've ever peeled back an onion. Your eyes start to water because you start to get more to the, 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 the kind of real stuff that's going on. Here's what happens with emotions. As you peel back the whys, you start to get to the real stuff. You think, I want to go back to anger. I kind of I understood that one. Now I'm getting to the real stuff. I felt lonely. I feel dejected. Why is that affecting me? Because I feel a bit embarrassed, to be honest. I feel a bit embarrassed. And I also don't feel love. I feel unaccepted. I suddenly started off with, you know, I thought I was angry about this. But actually where I've got to is I suddenly realized that actually who I am is someone who just feels pretty alone, pretty desperate, and pretty unloved. It's only from that place. And you keep doing the why until you hit the bottom. Until you think, right, there's no more to peel off. And in that why of there, you're then able to then give voice. And the giving voice can be helpful with others to say, hey, this is what's gone on. This is where I feel. But ultimately, the giving voice in this moment is to God. Why? Because we're going to see the but God's going to come in. And therefore, for him to be able to come and do what he needs to do, we need to express to him exactly what's and all, what's going on. We have to give voice to exactly how I'm feeling. It's what the Psalms are full of. If God, you feel distant. God, I feel alone. We have to get to that point of saying, God, this is how I feel. This is what happened. And this is how I feel. And then what we do is we do it understanding 2 Corinthians 1, 3, 4, that we come before a father of, who is the father of Lord Jesus Christ, who's the father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, that we come knowing, we're not coming to some empty room, we're coming to one who is the father, the origin of all comfort and compassion, who's big enough to hear everything we are feeling. There is nothing that we can express that he isn't big enough to wrap around. Mr. Stretchy Arms, do you remember? And having deep voice, we then need to get to that point of then spending the time giving voice so we can get to the but God. But God, I come and receive your comfort and your compassion. The challenge is that so often we Start here. This is what's happened. We run to the voice and say, oh, yeah, God, I feel a bit low. Yeah, this was a bit hard. Oh, yeah, but I receive your comfort. Receive your comfort. I'm fine. No, no. We have to fully get to grips with what's going on here in order that the depths of his comfort could reach the depths of the pain that we're feeling, as well as sometimes the pleasure that we're feeling. I think sometimes I know I can be known as someone who's always expecting everyone to be low. I'm not doing that. I'm saying, actually, it can be also, God, I felt amazing on this. And that's okay as well. But we should also be sharing that with God. Why? Because in both, it becomes an act of worship of who he is. And allowing him to come and meet us in that place. But he can only ever come and meet us to the degree that we've given voice to. Just to live with this track of saying we recognize, we give voice, and then we allow God to be God. 
the but God moment to come and bring comfort and compassion. Which leaves us with these couple of questions we'll do for today. What is the one change you are going to make out of today? That's quite an arrogant question, isn't it? On the Hearst's behalf, that's me. Expecting that you will want to make a change out of what I've shared? Well, I kind of think we will. Why? Because I know I am. Because actually, if all of us are seeking to pursue God and well-being, actually, there's always more that we can do to live emotionally well lives. So what's the one thing you need to change out of today? And the second question is, do you need comforting today? And we've already had that in respect to worship. We're just saying, actually, God, I feel like my heart's fragile. I know I'm going to fly, but I feel like there's this stuff caging me. Maybe today is just a day. Not that everything is going to get sorted. But we start the journey of saying, do you know what? I know. I know there's this stuff that I just carry with me. And just think this is as good as it's going to get. I know there's this way I live of just treading water and think this is as good as it's going to get. I know even though I don't want to, I know I just someone who just leaks toxins to others. I think this is as good as it's going to get. And today is a day where we say, God, I know this isn't as good as it has to be. But God, I want to come and say, I don't know quite what it's going to look like, but I trust you with what I've got. And I ask, would you come and meet me in this place? Should we just stand? Just where we're at, just let's close our eyes just so we're not disconnected, like not worried about other people. Just with your eyes closed, just say, what's the one thing you're going to change? That's all I need to ask. Because then what we need to do as you leave this morning, just turn to someone who you know is with you, or maybe someone you don't know, just stand next to you and say, hey, do you know what? This is the one thing I'm going to do. The second one, that's a harder question, isn't it? Do you need comfort today? Is today going to be your day of saying, I don't need to live like this anymore? And God, it scares me a bit. It scares me a lot. But I ask, would you come and meet me in this place? Because I want to start a journey with you of giving voice to more of what I feel in order that you can come and comfort me in the very depths of my being. And if, if you're responding to that second one, if this is a hard, so sorry, I, I apologize because I've made this very hard to respond to. And I apologize that we should have some music playing and you feel like, oh yeah, it's not silent. But here's the deal. This community here is the most loving community I've ever been part of. It really is. People in this room know my most shameful moments and my most glorious moments. And they love and accept me no matter what. And therefore, what I'm going to ask you to do is something that I know I could do because of the community around. And that is, if you know to that second question, today is the day where you want to say, God, I want your comfort. I want you to do a really brave thing. I want you to come to the front just because it's a way of one kind of physically walking out and saying, God, in this moment, in my frailty and weakness, I'm coming and saying, this far, no further. 
but two is so that people can stand with you and pray for you. That's why. Now, in it, that means you've got to push past other people. That's hard, isn't it? We're on rows. We've made it difficult in the cinema. But let's remember, as we do, we're not pushing past people. We're, we're going past people who are saying, I'm so proud of you for responding. And what's going to happen is that others are going to come forward and pray. And so I'm going to ask also those who are regulars who are going to come forward and pray at the same time. So it doesn't feel like everyone knows I've come forward. No, no, we don't know who's come forward for what. But I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, you're then going to say, I've got to move. And one person, it's only me one, is going to be the first person to move. And on the back of that person moving, suddenly others of us can think, they did it, I can. One, two, three. Thank you, guys. Amazing. Amazing. Just you come forward, if you just stack out along the sides, we'll make space. Now we're going to do a funny thing, just as these still people come in. Those of us who have stayed, stayed where we are, I just want us to applaud these people for coming forward. Just where, where you've come forward, I just ask you, just if you've come particularly to be prayed for, just close your eyes, put your hands out, just a way of saying I'm here for you, God. Now, if you need to go, if you're sat in chairs, feel free to go at this point. If you want to go and collect children, please do that if you own them. Uh, if you don't, don't go and get any. Um, I'm just going to pray for these guys. After I pray for I just ask a number of us who are regulars here just to come and stand with those uh, who've come forward. And just where you're at, where you've come forward, you've got your hands out. Well, now I want you to put your right hand over your heart. And just as you do it, your right hand's over your heart, just repeat in your head this prayer. Say, Jesus, here's my heart in all its fragility. And Jesus, I just say that today I ask that you'd come and meet me in this place. And Jesus, as I come in this place slightly scared of what's still to come I just say I'm going to trust in you and I ask now would you come and would you be my comfort I ask that Jesus Amen